This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and Yukon Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 at WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning uh, for what is now the 47th consecutive program during this battle against the COVID-19 pandemic. Today's a remarkable day because it is uh, one year now since we have been fighting this pandemic, and it's been one year since I've been back here in the studio, and due to technical difficulties, uh it was requested that I do today's show from the actual studio at WTIC. Uh, I naturally had to set my GPS to find out how to get here. And uh, it's been so long, and it's great to be back here with safety measures, checking your temperature before you come in, making sure you have clearance to come back in. So uh, it's a new way of doing things, but it is great to be back here um, even though I am alone and separated uh, from anybody else in the building. Um, it's it's good to be back, and it's always good to be back with you. Um, you know, the battle continues. As I said, 47th consecutive program. We now have more than 536,000 Americans dead from this pandemic, and <clears throat> the battlefield continues to change. Uh, we are now dealing with the emergence of variants. We're hearing about spikes in Europe where there are more and more cases and people closing up. And there's this whole dichotomy of things because here we are in Connecticut where we're beginning to reopen, which is a good thing. Our numbers are fairly good when you compare us to the country and the rest of the world. But uh, there are some things that haven't made sense to me. Um, I have been a regular cheerleader for the governor. And his staff on this program because I felt that they have been judicious and kept us safe. And there's no question about that. But I question the wisdom in reopening all bars and restaurants to 100%. Because these are environments where you can't wear a mask. You can wear a mask in the gym. You can wear a mask in school. You can wear a mask even going to a movie or a venue. And we know that masks work. But I question the wisdom of opening 100% of bars and restaurants. Now, when you think about it, as long as they're still doing social distancing in a bar or restaurant, you you can't really get to 100%. What is 100%? And once again, I'm hoping that the citizens of Connecticut are judicious in how they look at this. Because... Many of us are still uncomfortable going to a restaurant. I'm sure we'll get over that, but at least right now. Or people will make sure they're socially distanced if they go to a restaurant or have to be at an affair. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I thought it was odd that we opened 100% of houses of worship and bars and restaurants. 
and especially because we're dealing with these variants. Now, the data is is pretty interesting because, you know, a lot of Connecticut people have gotten this. So when you look at the entire country, uh, we have more than 77 million people now who have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine, 41 million who have been fully vaccinated. When you look at Connecticut, okay, we have 28.5% of our population here has gotten at least one dose. And that's absolutely crucial. That's where the battle is being fought. And I keep using that word, the battle, because that's exactly what this is. We have talked about defense and we've talked about offense, right? So our defense has been masks, social distance, and hand washing. And in doing that, we have done fairly well. We've now developed somewhat of an offense, right? We have some treatments, development of actual treatments for COVID, and we have vaccines. Just because you have an offense doesn't mean you give up on defense. And that's the key. Masks are the key. They work. And we have to remember that. And we have to be meticulous about that. Now, people who are fully vaccinated now can be around others who are not at risk without wearing a mask. Again, that's good. We're starting to lighten up. We're starting to get back to where we want to be. But we can't be foolish. A lot of folks want to plan trips. Well, the CDC is still telling us it's not the best time to be taking trips. But again, we have to use some common sense and some restraint. The the tourist industry is going to come back. I mean, by the end of this year, early next year, things will be rolling again. In fact, it's like a runner who has run the race. We're so close to the finish line. Please, let's not blow it. Let's not get exhausted and just poop out before we get there. And, And I honestly believe that there's a significant change that's going to happen in June or July of this year. Some of the things people ask me a lot about are the so-called vaccine passports. So later on today, I will be at uh, Dunkin' Donuts Park here in Hartford. And as many of you know, I volunteer with the Medical Reserve Corps. So we're going to be out there, a group of volunteers, vaccinating people and making sure uh, we get to people who are particularly in underserved populations. Many of the people who come there come by bus and get a free bus ride or Uber and get a free ride from Uber. So with that, uh, we will be out there vaccinating. But we have to develop some way of knowing who's vaccinated and who isn't. Right now, you get a little bit of a card. We give you a card where it says the lot number and the brand and, and things such as that. But electronically... I believe IBM has a way that they're developing ways so that, again, we could demonstrate that we're not a danger to others in an environment like being on a plane or being on a cruise. So, again, important to note. And I think these things are beginning to develop. Another concern has been schools. We keep hearing about schools reopening and the importance of having schools reopen and Uh, I certainly agree that that's the case, that we need to get schools uh, to reopen once again. 
with that, you know, at what point will we be vaccinating children? Well, right now we can vaccinate uh, students who are age 16 and older. Uh, but uh, I think by the fall, it looks like we're going to be able to vaccinate children. We're also going to start increasing capacity for students to come back to school by going to three feet in terms of a social distance. You know, the, the latest studies, when you look at the data, especially the most recent Mayo Clinic study, they really demonstrate now that if adequately masked, now, I'll define that term. You have a mask, you take the light on your phone and try to shine it through. If the light doesn't pass through, you've got an adequate mask. If not, you need to double mask. So a lot of people like to wear decorative masks. Great. You may need to double mask with a surgical mask underneath. And there's no excuse for it now because there's plenty of PPE available. Um, there are masks everywhere. So if you're adequately masked, in fact, from the Mayo Clinic study, you could be as close as one foot from someone who is also adequately masked and still have the same risk of spreading the virus as someone six feet away. So I support the move to try and get students back to school. And if that means having the social distance removed to three feet apart, I think that's clearly the way to go. So we're up for a really exciting show today. Uh, I have two guests. Uh, my first guest is scheduled to be Mr. Joel Layden. Uh, Mr. Layden is the executive director for VaccineAngels.com, a group I first became aware of this week. Uh, they are an online Facebook group. And in that being a Facebook group, they have thousands of people available to find a vaccine for you. So we're going to talk to him about how this all came about and how you, our listeners, can access this volunteer service, no charge, on how to get vaccinated. And it's just a wonderful program. In the second half of our program, Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo is going to be our guest. She was She's the chief of infectious diseases at... Trinity Health of New England here at St. Francis Hospital. Last time we had her on was October 10th, 2020. So we're going to revisit some of what we knew then to what we know now with her and really get her ideas on questions that keep coming up for me. Vaccine and pregnancy. Are we going to need boosters? You know, which way are we going with these variants? So I'm looking forward to the rest of the program. We're going to take a short break. Now we're going to be back with my first guest, Mr. Joel Layden of VaccineAngels.com. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, my first guest for this show, uh, Mr. Joel Layden. Mr. Layden is the executive director for VaccineAngel.com. Joel, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for inviting me. Joel, tell our listeners, what is VaccineAngel.com? VaccineAngel.com is perhaps the only place that you'll find in New England where you can come into and look for an appointment to get a vaccination and or excess vaccine, and you will not get a response such as no appointment available. 
Each and every person that comes into vaccineangel.com is redirected from that domain name into a Facebook group. That Facebook group in the last month has grown from a few hundred people to now over 15,000. And so we're there to welcome with a big smile and a big virtual hug all those coming into the room and to provide them with all the logistical information they need to know in terms of where you could find a shot. If you were looking for a place this morning or yesterday, most likely you wouldn't have found anything. You would just have found uh, everything is booked. Sorry. But we know the Internet. We know how to get into the various healthcare providers' websites, whether it be Walgreens or CVS, and make the appointments. Can you share with our listeners some of the tricks you've picked up? Because I've found some of them quite interesting um, in terms of how you get this done. Well, first of all, we advise uh, our group to be patient, to be persistent, and to be polite. Those are the three most important things, whether you're making a phone call or you're walking into a pharmacy. So in terms of finding appointments, there is a website that we send people to. It's called vaccinefinder.org. Vaccinefinder.org. You go into that and you just put in your zip code. It'll automatically bring up those pharmacies and healthcare providers that are dispensing that have stock of vaccine. If you find that difficult, and there are a lot of people who find, you know, working on the internet difficult, let alone this. This is uh, from the state, from the federal perspective, their websites are nothing less than a nightmare. I'm an internet geek. I have been online since the mid-1990s. I co-created the cyber unit of the Israel Defense Forces. I've consulted State Department. I know the internet. It's hard for me. You know, if it's difficult for me and challenging for me, for John Doe who comes into uh, one of the state or, or local websites, they just send you to other websites, which send you to other websites, and then finally you get, sorry, no appointments available. A very, very frustrating uh, and very, very challenging uh, days that we're living in in terms of people that are desperate to, to receive vaccine. So. We use vaccinefinder.org, but we go beyond that. We have our laptop open. We've got three or four pages open on our on our browser, and we're ready to go into various areas of, of Walmart or CVS or Walgreens to find the appointments. One such example, and, and this is laughable, that, you know, you'll go into, for instance, CVS. You go into CVS right now to say, sorry, there, there are no appointments available in Connecticut. So what we do is we, we suggest to everyone, don't click on Connecticut. Click on Alabama. Alabama will let you get in. So you get into Alabama. You fill out a few questions that they have there. Then down below they'll say again, what are you, where are you searching for? And then you put in Connecticut. Bingo. Now you see dozens of appointments coming up everywhere from Stanford to Enfield. So when you said you have 15,000 people on the site, I think you mean 15,000 people are now volunteering to help out and help others find a vaccine? Well, what you have here are 15,000 people, and it's growing every day by a few thousand. Uh, these are people that have come into the site initially to, to find vaccine, to find vaccine for themselves, to find vaccine 
for their family and friends. They're desperate. They're anxious. Uh, so for each person of the 15,000, they represent perhaps maybe 100, maybe 200,000 people in terms of passing on the information to their family and their friends. And what happens is that once they have found vaccine for themselves or excess vaccine, in other words, if you're not eligible, you're under a certain age, uh, we're able to find leftover dosages that we don't want to go to waste. Right. If if we don't secure that, that excess vaccine, it's thrown away. And that excess vaccine is gold. So we also go through a certain procedure in terms of call up the pharmacy at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, verify and confirm that they're dispensing vaccine. They say, yes, we are. Ask them, what time is your last appointment? Let's say 6, 7 o'clock. And we suggest don't call them again. Just go down there at 4 o'clock. Let them know in a very, very pleasant way that you're there for any excess vaccine if they have it available. If you try that today, you can score. You could, you could, you can get yourself perhaps an extra shot. And it may take you a few times, but I want to take it from a, a different aspect. So this afternoon, I'm vaccinating uh, over at Dunkin' Donuts Park, and undoubtedly, we're going to have some extra vaccine. You just always do. Uh, by the fact that when you draw up the shots, even as your best calculations, there, there may not be many. But how do you know if there's going to be or how do you know there are going to be extra shots at the end? Or is it just kind of the risk you take? People show up right. and wait. Right. Let, let, me, let me first you know, answer a, a question with a question. Do you also have extra donuts left over? Come on, Very interesting that I did. <laughs> well, now that you brought the topic up, that when I got to the park... They were serving Neil's Donuts from Middletown, wow. which I found, wow. but that's just a side note. But anyhow. Seriously, um, what we advise people is if there's a mega site such as Dunkin' Donuts or Wrenchler Field uh, or Mohegan Sun, get down there about an hour before they close and, and speak to someone in authority. Speak to uh, a supervisor and let them know that you've come down for any leftover excess vaccine that they might have available. Now, if you're speaking to a pharmacist, you're speaking to a, uh, a medical, a healthcare professional, they're not going to throw it away. They're not going to say no. They'll say, hey, uh, all right, you know, if you could just sit down and wait a while. And then once they've closed and they have, it could be five, it could be 10, it could be 20 extra shots they have. Uh, it could be even more than that. Um, you just roll up your sleeve, you get the jab, you fill out the paperwork, and you're good to go. And they give you your second appointment right there. I want you to know that that doesn't mean you have to do the same thing for your second appointment. Um, if you need, if you're getting an injection that requires a second shot, they give you the spot there, so you have a reserve spot. Um, you have a reserve spot. As soon as you receive your first shot, you receive documentation and scheduling for your second shot. The one thing your listeners should be aware of is that we are right now in a short supply of vaccine in the state of Connecticut and the United States of America. Um, it'll be a different situation in about two to three months. But as for right now, you really have to be patient. And if you're really that concerned about getting vaccine, you must be persistent. Don't give up. Just last week, I took a family member of mine. We visited, I think, six pharmacies looking for excess. We couldn't find anything. We were pulling into the driveway. And as we pulled into the driveway, we we're about to call it a day, the phone rang. And it was a CVS where we had put down the family member's name on a wait list. So there are two ways of approaching this, going online 
where I would say, first of all, go to vaccineangel.com. We're going to help you. We're going to help you through all of this. You won't be stressed out. Uh, and we'll fill out the documentation. And I would say within a matter of minutes of being on vaccineangel.com, you'll have an appointment. Joel, I want to thank you. I want to thank you and uh, all the people who work with you uh, to make this successful and to help people. And we will keep repeating the website so people go out to vaccineangel.com. Joel, thanks thank a lot. Thank you so much. And save me some extra donuts. Yeah, I, they'll be gone by the time I get there. Take care, Joel. <laughs> Uh, that was Joel Layden of VaccineAngel.com. And important, it's all volunteer work. These are people who understand the Internet who are out there. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo, who's the Chief of Infectious Diseases at St. Francis Hospital, part of Trinity Health of New England. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And in this uh, half of the program, we're going to be chatting with my guest, Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo. Uh, she is the Chief of Infectious Diseases and an Infectious Disease Specialist at St. Francis Hospital, all part of Trinity Health of New England. Uh, Dr. Jessica uh, Abrantes Figueredo has been a guest on our program before on October 10th, 2020. Jessica, welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's revisit October 10th, 2020. So back then, we had 213,000 deaths in America from COVID-19. And typically, we were astonished by that. We also, so I asked you back then, what have we done right and what have we done wrong? until October. I'm going to start off by asking you the same question again. Now, here on March 20th, 2021, um, from your assessment as an infectious disease specialist, what have we done right and what have we done wrong? Great question. Um, and I don't think the answer really has changed much, but the masking, the social distancing, the washing of hands, you know, staying away from large crowds, the avoiding of travel and everything have really been what has helped, you know, decrease our cases recently. And then obviously now with the vaccines, that's, that's a complete game changer. Um, but I think the most important thing for people to realize is that, you know, what we've been doing has been working. And when we do see an uptick in cases or in you know, um, kind of clusters of infections, it, it's typically related because of you know, parties, super spreader events, travel, things like that. So let's talk about that. So uh, so since October, so one thing I said in our last interview is I was going to get the vaccine after you got the vaccine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have been vaccinated. But um, the, the governor now has uh, reopened restaurants and things such as that. Uh, are you one of these people who's ready to go to Disney World or Go to a restaurant with your family and children? Not quite yet. Okay. And I'll be honest with, with that. And, and again, I think I, I'm not opposing the, the starting of the reopening and everything, but we still have to be very cautious just because our cases have been down, although relatively now stable, you know, we still have to take caution. There's the variants that are ongoing. You know, I, it's, 
it's wonderful that the weather is changing. Hopefully soon it'll, it'll really be springtime and people can do things outdoors. But we've been at this for a year. And to, to let our guard down too soon would just be devastating. So I still take significant precautions. Um, I do avoid travel. Uh, I really actually haven't gone into a restaurant, although we do take out to support our local businesses. Um, but it's something that people just have to do mindfully and, you know, still do the appropriate precautions. So one of the things we're most concerned about are variants. Can you recap for our audience a little bit about these variants, how they came about, um, which ones uh, we need to be more concerned with or or just be concerned with all of them? Can you give us kind of the basic of the variant? Sure. So the variants were actually not something that was unexpected. So viruses their job is essentially to mutate, you know, so that's very common. We see that all the time, a virus will mutate, um, and then it will become, if there's significant number of mutations, that's when we start to see this, you know, description of a variant. So there's a variety of variants that are out there, some that are, you know, definitely on the media that are more concerning than others, and more that will pop up if we continue to allow transmission to occur. So most people, I'm sure, have heard of the UK variant, the B117. There's the Brazilian variant, the South African variant. But even within the United States, we're now starting to see variants, you know, in California, even in New York, that we're still getting data on with regards to what does that mean. For some of the variants that we have more science on, so UK, Brazilian, and the South African variant, the concerns is because they're much more easier transmissibility meaning it can pass from one person to another more quickly than kind of that wild type strain that we've had originally. And if we allow the transmission to continue to occur, it can become the more dominant strain. We obviously worry more or concern more too if there's issues with increasing the severity of infection, so hospitalization and death, which we've seen with some of these variants as well. The other concern would be this concept of immune escape, meaning if it will allow patients or people to have, you know, uh, more susceptibility to reinfection or even an issue with some of the vaccines. So when we think of these variants, is that what's kind of driving our numbers now when we start seeing uh, different elevations in numbers? Um, is that what we're most fearful of rather than the original virus? Correct. And, and I think, again, it's, everything's always multifactorial. A lot of that happens in medicine where it's not just one thing being the driver. But certainly we've started to see, even in Connecticut, where the numbers of variants, and we've found all of these variants, especially as we start to sequence or the Department of Public Health starts to sequence more of these samples, we're definitely starting to see that rise in those types of cases. And if that becomes the more dominant strain, then yes, it's definitely much more easily transmissible. And if that's the one that's going around, it's going to go around much faster. So when we get to that, we're hearing a lot about boosters, right? Even if you got the vaccine, you may need a booster shot, which is not uncommon, I guess, uh, when you have variation over seasons. Uh, do you think that the virus has now become, the COVID-19 virus has now become endemic and something we're going to need boosters for on a regular basis for a while? 
So the data is not yet, you know, 100%, but it's possible. So obviously we, these vaccines are relatively new out there. So we're gathering data since the trials have ended, or I should say the, the pharmaceutical companies and the trials. So it, it'll all depend. How long do these current vaccines work or give us the immunity? And it's been shown that potentially it could even be up to a year. And again, as we, you know, as more time passes, that will be helpful to determine really uh, about the immunity and the duration. But you mentioned the variants, and that's the other thing, too, where that comes into play, because if that affects the current vaccines we have, then yes, do we need boosters? And actually, most of the, the, the trials, or I should say the vaccines that are out there, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they're all actually looking at that, too, and even Johnson & Johnson and the possibility of what does a second shot do for them so you know it's interesting because when we think of these variants and we think of vaccine you know one of the things dr fauci has repeatedly said is if it can't replicate it can't mutate so if you if people are wearing masks there's nowhere for the virus to go and therefore it won't mutate we won't have variants the antithesis of that is if people all go to spring break or go to super spreader events as they've become known, um, we're going to see more mutations and we're going to be dealing with this over a longer period of time, all because people have not worn masks or shown restraint. Is that a good summary? Absolutely. If we don't let the virus replicate, then we stop transmission and we don't let these variants run rampant and we actually would not lead to increasing our new variants as well. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo, and she is the Chief of Infectious Diseases at St. Francis Hospital here in Hartford. Uh, we're going to get back, and we got questions about pregnancy and wanting to become pregnant and getting a vaccine. What is the best vaccine? And what do you tell people who are hesitant about a vaccine? You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and our guest today is Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo, and she is the Chief of Infectious Diseases at St. Francis Hospital. Uh, Jessica, just before the break, we're talking a lot about the vaccine and boosters. And uh, people, I'm going to, questions that always come up for me. And and I think I know the answer to this one, but people always say, what is the best vaccine, Tony? What should I be taking? What do you tell people that when they ask you that? It's a great question. We get a lot. And I say the first you can get in your arm. We now have three highly <clears throat> efficacious as well as safe mm-hmm. vaccines. And especially in the world we're in now where this is a pandemic this is urgent to get vaccinated really the first that you can get is the best that you can get so the other thing i often get is uh especially from young women who are patients and i ask i I ask everybody if they've been vaccinated uh, of my patients uh, when i'm seeing them and and it usually prompts a conversation and often the conversation is in a young woman i'm not sure because i'm I want to get pregnant, and I don't know how it would affect that. Do we have an idea of, one, how it affects young women who want to become pregnant, and two, uh, 
How, does it have any effect on pregnancy in those women who are pregnant? Should they be getting vaccinated? Right. So great question that we always get as well. The first thing is, is that not only are we having this COVID pandemic, but there's really just an info pandemic where, where there's a lot of misinformation going around um, that, you know, really confuses people. So, so I don't blame, blame people for having some type of hesitancy or pause, I should say, for saying, is this safe for me? With regards to, you know, will it affect uh, fertility, because that's been a big topic or a big myth, um, it does not. And there's no evidence to suggest that it would. All of the vaccines get trialed. Um, so we have the DART, the Developmental and Reproductive Toxicity Studies that are done um, on animals. And there was no issues seen with regards to fertility or even during the, the pregnancies. Um, the other thing, too, is that this is not a live vaccine. <clears throat> And while, while it's novel, these vaccines have actually been, you know, given to pregnant women. And unfortunately, they were excluded from a lot of the trials, even though it was advocated by a lot of the, you know, American College of Obstetrics and the Society of MFM or Maternal Phenol Medicine to include these patients in the trials. The other thing is that we saw pregnant women that were, or I should say non-pregnant women that became pregnant during the trials too, that were also followed closely. You know, it is a personal decision. And I think we have to weigh the risks and benefits of that person, whether or not they should get vaccinated and definitely a talk or a conversation discussion with their providers as well. You know, women who may be able to stay home during this pandemic who are pregnant may want to say, okay, let me wait. But then there's high-risk individuals, healthcare workers. We've seen thousands who, you know, are, are pregnant and working and are at extremely high risk then for COVID. And what we know about COVID-19 and in pregnancy is that it can cause severe disease. It can even cause premature birth. Um, and so you have to weigh those risks and benefits. And to date, we haven't seen any red flag signals um, with regards to women who are getting vaccinated and are pregnant. Um, myself included. And again, it's a personal decision. And I think something that we don't take lightly, we, we understand women may want to, you know, have that precaution. And now CDC has actually been updating through vSafe. So that app that, or I should say smartphone based um, application that could be used to track women and, you know, monitor the safety signals that we've been seeing in over 50,000 women who have been pregnant, have been vaccinated. This week they reported, I think it was the New England Journal, but they reported the first antibodies that were detected in a newborn infant. So uh, there is immunity that is transmitted across the placenta. I see that as a good thing. Is is that what it's being heralded as? I mean, it sounds like a great thing because now the newborn infant is also protected. Yeah, absolutely. And again, more studies and kind of the data needs to still come out with regards to exactly what it means with babies having the antibodies. But it's similar to why pregnant women need to get their, you know, flu shot during pregnancy if it's the right season or their Tdap for pertussis so that we can protect baby as well and pass on those antibodies because children, usually under the age of six months, aren't allowed to get or don't get, I should say, vaccines. And it's only, for example, for flu, we start to vaccinate babies at six months and older for flu. 
Jessica, what do you say to people who are vaccine hesitant? I mean, in the same uh, in the same situation that I have with patients when I ask them if they've been vaccinated, uh, you know, you get a lot of people who are hesitant. I don't say defiant. I say on the show that there are people who are vaccine defiant and I don't know if we'll ever change their minds, but there's this larger group of people who are vaccine hesitant, including people who are in the healthcare profession. Um, what do you tell them? How, how do you approach that problem? I think the big thing is just to figure out why. What is part of the reason that they may be hesitant? Because sometimes we might be surprised as to what their answers may be. You know, some people just may want more information. So really knowing the why people are hesitant, um, because maybe it's really just misinformation. Like, you know, I heard it could give me COVID, um, which these vaccines cannot give COVID to someone. So I think knowing the why and really listening to them and not taking patients and just saying, oh, they don't want the vaccine. Uh, they're, you know, I won't be able to get to them. Really, I think sometimes we just need to know that why. Sometimes it may be something as, you know, concerning that they're that primary household member who goes out is making, you know, the money for the home. And they say, well, what if the vaccine makes me sick and I can't work for my family? So really knowing the why and just educating them to make them feel safer or more knowledgeable as to why it's important to get the vaccine. And the other thing, too, is, you know, having people understand what we know about COVID infection and people getting sick. Um, and potentially, obviously, hospitalized and death, and the risk between infection versus vaccine. Jessica, in closing, what's the one message you want to get across to people today from this in terms of how much we've learned already and going forward? What's the, if there was one message we have to get across to people uh, from an infectious disease standpoint, what is that? I think it's, we have come a long way. We know a lot more about COVID. We have three highly efficacious and safe vaccines that really are a game changer and can help us get out of this. But COVID is not gone. We have the variants to worry about. People need to stay strong, you know, be patient about getting the vaccine. I know that's been an issue too. It's coming. We're so close to continuing to vaccinate thousands and thousands of residents in Connecticut. And really just keeping our guard up, please, to continue to mask, to socially distance when appropriate, um, so that we can have a great summer and, and really get out of this. Jessica, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. And uh, best of luck with your pregnancy. And I hope that we'll be able to get you on again in the near future. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That was Dr. Jessica Abrantes Figueredo. Uh, who has been uh, a phenomenal guest. And, and as you can tell, she brought up a lot of great points um, that that we really need to absorb and, and move through as we go through this pandemic. The weather's starting to get better. We're starting to get out there. There are a lot more things you can do outside and and really grow. And, and I, we understand uh, there is that need. But by the same token, there are also a lot of opportunities for volunteering, and I wanted to bring those up. We spoke about one of them today with Joel Layden at VaccineAngel.com. Uh, again, they're looking for people who 
can help in terms of, uh, you know, being familiar with Facebook and communicating with others. And one of the things he told me in a conversation off the air is how many people have this sense of desperation, a sense of wanting to end their lives because they can't get the vaccine and they're so afraid of the vaccine. It's almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder. I want people to understand that that's not the case. Don't be that desperate. There are people there to help you at vaccineangel.com or at email me at info at alessimd.com. We'll work with you. We will find a way for you to get the vaccine and overcome um, that fear that is so understandable. Other ways of volunteering are here in Connecticut, the Medical Reserve Corps. It's not just health providers who are part of that. We need volunteers to register people, again, working on the computer, getting people to the site. We all have to pull together. We can't necessarily rely on government and our leaders. It's great, and we hope they make the right decisions. But if they don't, don't forget, it's really up to us as a community. And that's the most important thing. With that, I want to thank my guest today. I also want to thank Joey Burgoyne, who's been on the board today as my studio producer. Jeff Chandler's in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Next week on Healthy Rounds, we're going to be talking more about the COVID-19 pandemic and approaches. I really want to highlight you know, people who are stepping up, people who have not done this before, getting out there and volunteering and helping each other because that's the only way we're going to beat this thing. If you missed any part of today, I encourage you to download the Healthy Rounds podcast. You can get that on radio.com or on iTunes. Next up on WTC is Garden Talk with Len. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.